Hello and welcome to another Wannabe Entrepreneur, your favorite indie hacking podcast, isn't it? Please don't say it's not. Please, 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 please give me this Christmas gift. My name is Tiago Ferreira and I dare you, I dare you to say my last name. No one can say it. I have talked with people from many places of this planet Earth and Barely anyone can say it, really. It's it's extremely hard. Ferreira. Try it. I'll wait. Just try it. Yeah. Now you just uh, pronounced the name of a Portuguese name in the middle of... Well, I don't know what you're doing at the moment. But I think it's funny that now you're just trying to say Ferreira and people are like, what? what is this person saying? Yeah. What is hard about it is actually the two R's. Because we have one... R, the first R's, which is R, and then R. Anyways, that's, that's kind of my tutorial on how to say my name. And uh, no one actually asked for it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I always want to create new different intros. So today is about Ferreira, my last name, my Portuguese last name. But it's not only about that. No, no, no. There's other things to talk about. Yes, there, there are. And uh, today, let me just start by saying that there's no sponsored section in this episode. I didn't find anyone. <laughs> no, I actually have a couple still lined up, but I don't want to repeat the same spots or the same products too often because then it will maybe be boring for you and I want the spots to be really interesting and engaging. So today there's a break, but if you want to get your product featured, There's a link in the description. But it's still a very interesting episode. Yeah, it is. I will be speaking about creator's economy, which is something that I've been digging into in the past week. I've, I've discovered this cool YouTube channel that does a bunch of interviews, and I saw the interview of a lot of creators. I want to speak about that. Because I think it's something interesting. It's it's another side of like I think creators and artists are indie hackers somehow. You know they create something normally without any investment, and they they need to make a business out of it. Art is a business. So speaking about that, and um, I will be speaking about. I'll give you some updates on my projects. Mostly the community, as you remember from last episode, I've been trying to give the read all or read-only access to the people that are uh, not paying, in hopes that they will eventually upgrade. So I will give you an update on that. And uh, I will also be speaking about my freelancing and uh, the things that are not doing so well. Oh yeah, I almost forgot the main topic. I will also be speaking about my first hire. Yes, I hired someone to help with the community, and this is super exciting, actually. I don't know why I didn't start with this, but it, it will be probably in the title. So I guess uh, if you came here for the title, yes, I'll be speaking about my first hire after one year and a half. So it's going to be a good one. Are you excited? I hope you are, because we are about to start another wannabe entrepreneur episode. So three, two, one... Let's go. Do you know who Mr. Beast is? If you don't know him, it's fine. Actually, I'm surprised, but a lot of people don't know him. He is a YouTuber. 
probably the biggest YouTuber at the moment. And everyone says that his channel will be the first to reach $1 billion evaluation. And at first, I don't know if you know Mr. Beast, if you would agree with what I'm saying, but it's the content he makes is kind of silly at first. But it's it's much more thought through than one would think. He started with his laptop and a camera doing these kind of stunt videos, but not the trick shots that uh, you can see from Dude Perfect or other YouTube channels. His first viral YouTube video was actually him counting to an absurd number, like 1 million. It's just that. 48 hours of video, I believe, with a camera, he's in front of his laptop and he's counting. And people, obviously, this is something that no one does. Like, I, I, let's think about it. What is the, the highest count you, you ever actually counted to? The highest number, the biggest number? I don't know, maybe 100, 200? A thousand? Like, I, I doubt, I really doubt that a lot of people have counted to more than a thousand. He has counted for one million. Like, it, it's absurd. And then he started doing this kind of crazy, innovative content that it is kind of clickbaity, but then it's not. Right? When, when you see a title that says, I counted to one million, the first thing that comes to your mind is, it's impossible. No one will ever do this. So you click. And you have your kind of click trap, but then it's not a trap because he is actually counting to one million. Then he started giving away money, giving away money to the pizza delivery person, to the pizza, <laughs> did I say pizza? The pizza delivery person, or just to a homeless person. Actually, one story that he often tells is that he had a sponsorship, and the sponsor was giving him five k. And he said, double that money and I will give 10k to a homeless person and the video will go viral. And everyone was like, you're crazy. Like, why? Why would, would it go viral with 10k and not 5k? And he said, like, 10k is just a rounder number, just a better number, and it will go viral like that. And it did. And it, it did go viral. He even says that his mom said, hey, but can't you just like maybe take 1K and use the other 9K? He was like, no, mom, I need the 10K. So it's, it's quite of, it's incredible. It's really incredible. And the way he makes his video. So he's not a trained actor and neither the other participants, the other characters of videos, none of them are trained characters. Actually, when you look at them, they look kind of nerdy. When you see the videos and all the characters that are basically his friends that feature in all the videos, they look kind of nerdy. No one would ever say that they would reach the craziness and the fame they actually get now. Each Mr. Beast video has millions of views. And quite often, when he goes in public, he's like a superstar. People, especially the younger crowd, they go completely crazy. And then he started to branch out this business. He started with YouTube, but then he kind of followed the audience first approach, right? So he created this huge audience that completely loves him. And then he started giving Lamborghinis away. By the way, if, if you want to get people to love you, give them money, <laughs> right? He was giving Lamborghinis away and doing this kind of stuff. And then he started doing other kind of business. He recently opened 
a burger business, a fully online burger business that only works with uh, apps like Deliveroo or Foodora or, well, I don't know what, what app is used in your country, but you know these delivery apps. And he opened all the stores at the same time. And he actually, the, the grand opening was actually in a mall. And you have to watch that video. It's absurd. Like the amount of people that come just to taste his burger. It's not because his burger, it's not, it's not because burger is obviously, obviously nothing new. <laughs> I, I like to believe that there's one, one person listening to this like, what is a burger? <laughs> Please DM me if you don't know what is a burger. Everyone knows what is a burger. Come on. Come on, Tiag, you're better than this. So, yeah, it's nothing new. It's probably not the best burger you will ever have. But it just... People are there because of the audience. People are there because even though there's many other places with less crowd and better quality, they are there for Mr. Beast. And because of that, he's able to basically generate any businesses he wants. He, I think he's also making chocolates. And a lot of different things. Yes, like chocolate in Walmart now. And you can really see nowadays that this economy, the creator's economy is called, is taking over the world. Maybe I'm being a little bit too exaggerating a little bit here. But yes, you see a lot of these content creators, YouTubers, that now are starting other business. Another example just that just pops to my head is uh, Logan Paul. That... He has a podcast and videos and he's also a quite known YouTuber. And he started his energy drink. I think it's his energy drink or something. You know, like Gatorade. It's it's kind of a competitor of Gatorade. It's called Prime. And uh, it's, it's quite a big business as well, making a lot of money, even though it's nothing new. They are utilizing their audience. They are building their business based on their audience. The audience first approach so it's, it's really really fascinating another thing that i i've been like digging and and going in into this rabbit rabbit hole of understanding the the day and the life and and the thought process of uh, mr beast and all the other content creators by the way sorry i need to take a sip here on my of my tea okay I think it's better. My, I was like kind of losing my voice here. <laughs> yeah, I... And he's, he's really a fascinating character. He, he did a lot of interviews. And I highly recommend for you to go and watch a few. Because there's a lot to be learned from him on how to make a business. But one thing that he says that really kind of made me curious to know more about him was the way he started. The way... He completely understood the YouTube algorithm. Not only the algorithm, but how people watch his videos. He said that when he was starting, together with a few friends, together with a few YouTuber friends, and, and keep in mind that he's not he's from the US, but he's not from like New York or San Francisco. He's like from a small village. I don't even know the names, like a village that no one knows. And that's his actual headquarters at the moment. <laughs> and it is really interesting because now you can actually start a, a multi-million business from a small village. That's the beauty of the internet. And upon questioning, he was saying, no, I don't want to move because I know everyone here. I have my friends here. Things are cheaper here. Why would I move? Why would I go to LA? 
or or New York to do a business if I I can have like everything I want here cheaper and calmer and I I can control it and I know the people. So that's very interesting. But anyways, you had this group of friends and they were just analyzing YouTube videos and they would have a call. He said that one day he spent basically the whole day in a call and they were analyzing intros, thumbnails, what works, what doesn't work. And he really tried to understand how to make a viral video, a video that everyone wants to watch. And for that, I highly recommend you for you to just go and watch one of his videos. One video that I watched recently is when he buried himself alive. They built like a coffin and everything, and he buried himself himself alive. And it's not it's not as dark as you might think. There's other creators that did this in the past, right? So you have um, David Blaine, and um, I mean it's a different kind of content, right? But I don't know. It's it's weird because it doesn't look super cinematic i think that's the word but it just catches your attention even the way it starts one thing that he says often is when i start my video i immediately say what's going to happen and i always keep people engaged and someone also asked him like what if you release a video actually no they started with what is the most thrilling part of releasing a video and he says this is the first hours because the peak you know getting to millions of people in one or two hours, he says, is very, it's very exciting. And I have that as well with this podcast, but in a much smaller scale, right? Like, it's amazing when I release an episode and I see, like, 80 people or almost 100 people in the first day. It's absurd. It's amazing. And I really appreciate you, by the way, for doing this. But he says that's the thrilling part. But then someone asked him, what happens when the video just doesn't go viral or doesn't work? Because bear in mind that at this moment, it's a whole production. It takes millions sometimes to make a video. He did a video recently where he basically reproduced the whole Squid Game show. Everything. To a T. It's incredible. You should also watch it, by the way. But he just says, no, I don't get upset. I just analyze it. I try to understand where are people dropping, why didn't it work, and then do better next time. And that's just a, such a healthy mentality. I mean, he's, I think he's still in his 20s and he's able to doing this. And he hires CEOs to manage his other companies and he keeps building. One thing that he did that I think is amazing, it's probably, I, I think he's the first YouTuber doing this. He dubbed his channels. Now you can hear Mr. Beast in Brazilian Portuguese, in Spanish, in other Italian, whatever, other languages and that just opens up a whole new target people that don't speak english so yeah i think it's it's really important to to look at this new economy the creator's economy it's something completely new something that kids now aspire to be a lot of kids aspire to be youtubers and it's actually a valid profession you can just be a youtuber and you can start your business from a small village Another creator, another creator that I was um, kind of learning more about is uh, Marquise Brownie. Is it Brownie? I don't think it's Brownie. <laughs> I don't like the, the food. Anyways, is is uh, in a completely different spectrum, right? He is doing tech reviews. And he started, I don't know, like 20 years ago. 
don't know. I, th- I think he's maybe around my age or like around 35 or so, a little bit older. But he started when he was like 16 making these videos right in the beginning of YouTube. And he does all kinds of tech reviews, you know, your phones and gadgets and even cars now. And it's really interesting because it's a very different approach. And he says something that really makes me think. He said that the best thing that probably happened to him in the beginning of his career was to not, I repeat, to not have a viral video. And you might be thinking, but why? I mean, viral videos are great. You get a huge reach. People get to know you and you grow so much faster. Why wouldn't you want to have a viral video? And he explains it. And I I think he's genius. He says that when, as a young creator, when you're basically trying to figure it out, what is your voice? What do you want to build? What do you want to make? Having a viral video kind of constrains you because let's say so let's say in in this case is making videos about phones and reviews and then there's this video that as a joke is like smashes the phone and people completely love him and it's like oh this is amazing he smashed the iphone does it mean that now he only needs to make videos where he smashes phones Maybe you think so. Now he can just continue doing what he wants. But how do you say no to this kind of virality? Because now every new video you, you release, every new video you publish will be compared to the millions of views that the sh- smashed phone video had. So a lot of YouTubers or content creators tend to be too constrained to what made them viral in the first place. And then, first of all, that's that has a toll in their mental health because they don't really want to do that. And then they get discouraged or people just get bored. Because at some point, how many smashing phones videos can you actually watch? You watch three, four, five, and then you're bored. And you don't care about that creator anymore. But if you have an uh, a identity as a creator, as an indie hacker, whatever, people care about you because they empathize with you and they, they create a relation, a relationship with you, right? So I found that very, very interesting and kind of made, made me feel better about myself as well as my projects because so far I've never had anything that is like really viral, you know, like Tony Dean or Peter Levels kind of viral. I've been doing this for one year and a half now. And it's such a small growth. And I would like to say consistent, but it's not even consistent. Like it goes up and down and I'm always lost. I mean, you know, like I've been narrating my journey here. So I think now I feel a bit better because I feel that, for instance, with this podcast, now you know me. There's a lot of people that listen to me because of me, not because some trend or because I follow something and... That's 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 amazing. That's really a great way to build something. Now, of course, that I would love to have maybe some viral product at some point. That would be great. But at least now I know who I am and what I want to create. And I really learned what things work and what things do not work. So that's kind of what I wanted to speak about in in this topic, in the topic of the creator's economy. 
and YouTube. And actually, I, I interviewed two YouTubers already here in the podcast in the early in the early days. You can just go and check it out. It's it's an area that I really like. I think artists and content creators. As I said, they are as well indie hackers and we have a lot to learn from them and we need to look at this new economy as something that is here to stay completely. It's actually replacing TV. When you see the money that these people, these creators are putting into their videos, they have freaking studios, like complete studios with machinery that most studios like hollywood studios don't have it's crazy they have tons of cameras and the production it takes them for mr beast it takes him or his crew months until the video is done so it's it's, it's actually funny because we started youtube as this thing with really poor quality you get your phone and you record something funny and now we are somehow building youtube to to be a platform that is very similar to the content you can see on TV. And nowadays, a lot of people say, sometimes proudly, that I don't watch TV. But, I mean, what is YouTube if not TV? What is the difference between Netflix shows and YouTube shows and then uh, some channel like CNN that has some documentary or some show or something? I mean, they're very, very similar. They're getting more and more similar. So I'm also curious to see if... At some point, they will just merge and TV will disappear, but like YouTube will be basically the same. Or if there will be still space for these small creators with their phone. Anyways, that's what I want to talk about in, uh, in this area. Now, let's speak a little bit about the freelancing and then I'll finish with the updates on the community and the person that I hired. In the freelancing, I'm not going to lie, I think I made a huge mistake. And the mistake I made was in the estimation. When I first accepted this gig, it was actually a gig that was split in two parts. And the first part was to do a bot, which is something that I know, something that I've done thousands of times, not thousands, but a lot of times before. And something that I love to do it and something that I can easily estimate. I did estimate it and it, it worked fine. I was so happy. I got a very nice paid for the hours I knew I, I would need to, to, to use. And everyone was happy. And then this client said, but Tiago, I want to build an app. The bot is just the beginning. And then he wanted to use a no-code tool because then he would be able to manage, and I understand, I mean, it would be able to control the text and the copy and the layout, and it's much easier for me to build it and then deliver to him, and it does not need to necessarily depend on me. At least that's what I thought. And at first, I thought, but, uh, you know, I've never built apps, and I've never used no-code tools like this. It's really hard for me to estimate. So I lay down all the tasks I thought they would be needed and I estimated a few hours per task. I actually tried to, to be pessimistic already and I estimated 20 hours. And I told him, hey, I estimated 20 hours, that's my price. And he said, okay, cool, um, we can do it like that, but uh, let's 
as long as you are able to deliver in the 20 hours, that's fine. And I told him, I mean, yeah, I, I can also be flexible because I was quite happy. I was asking for 60 bucks an hour. So I think it's quite a good value. And I thought, okay, yeah, even if I spend a little bit more, it's okay. But little did I know that I, I didn't spend some extra hours. I spent a lot of extra hours because there's so many annoying things that I didn't expect. For starters, Flutterflow, a new tool, and the, the issues with, with these tools, with these no-code tools, there are two. First of all, it's really hard to debug. Whereas when I'm building code, I can just like put a print and see what, what is going wrong. With Flutterflow, I can't. It's really, really hard. Actually, the only way for me to properly test my app, if I have connections with the APIs and so on, is to generate the builds and run it on my phone. So it takes a long, long time to do that. And second, I cannot just go to Stack Overflow and copy code. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't work. And uh, most of my job, every time I've, I face a challenge, I go on Google and I find Stack Overflow or GitHub, whatever, and I copy the code and I try to fix it. But this is a diagram-based coding. I mean, you cannot copy the diagrams. So that makes the process super slow because I need to understand what's happening and spend hours and hours research, researching and doing all of that. And then I have Google Play, which I've built apps before, but I've never had to integrate so much with Google Play. With this app, we are doing uh, subscriptions and all of that. And it's so bad. It's so, so bad. Like... I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you want to test a subscription, you need to release the app. You actually need to release the app. And then you need to release the app in a specific track. And and no one and then if you don't release in that track, it just doesn't work, but you don't know why. Oh my god. It's been terrible. Like this part is really what I don't like. Because it's a lot of figuring out, a lot of frustration, because I just want to get things done and I can't and it's slow. Then the client he has been amazing, by the way. He's been amazing. But he's also asking, like, what's happening? Why is it taking so long? And I explained to him, he actually said that, okay, Tiago, if you're spending so much time, it's fair that I pay you more, which is great. It's really great. And that's something that I'll probably do. In the end, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm also learning. It's a weird situation here because I'm learning, but he also knew that I was going to learn and I'm learning because of him, right? I, I didn't, I probably wouldn't use Flutterflow. It's great to have this knowledge, don't get me wrong. And now I know more about these tools, so it's good for me, but I would probably never have to do it if it wasn't for this project. So I don't know. I really don't know what to say. And uh, I need, I want to get it done. At the same time, this is taking a lot of my precious time from all my other projects. Like, the Indie Lottery has been kind of stopped for the past week. And Joao is like, yeah, Tiago, you're not doing <laughs> Yeah, so a little bit of frustration here. What is the lesson, you ask? The lesson is go with things that you know. If you remember my interview with Matt, my conversation with Matt, he said that, like, if you're doing a work for someone else, and you have a, a budget and a time limit, don't try to invent and create things. Even if the client asks you, you say, okay, if you ask me, then you will have to pay the extra hours. Otherwise, I'll do it my way. And that's what I should have done. And that's what I'll do in the future. Because this is 
kind of crossing the line to to be frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Now, the time that you were all waiting for. I'll give you some updates on the community and I will tell you the story of my first hire. Boop, I don't know what, what this was. Was it a tr trumpet? Maybe. Actually, you know, I can do a very good saxophone. Was it good? <laughs> Maybe this could be my next business. <laughs> Anyways, where, where, okay, yeah, the community, yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, let's, let's go back to that. I gave the read-only access and uh, it's working as I would expect. At least I'm getting a lot of people, like every day there's new people joining the Slack, which is amazing. Now you ask me, okay, Tiago, but how many of those have converted to paying members? And I tell you, zero. <laughs> you know, these kind of laughs that then end up being crying. That's what's happening now. <laughs> Why are people like I don't I don't get it I don't really I mean I need to understand at least now I th I still think this was a good call because I have more control over the people that are joining and now I just need to I have more time to convert them I can it's easier for me to give them arguments to convert I just need to explore that and once that's done I have my business figured out yes. I just need this because now I'm able to bring people to Slack in a good rate, a rate that I'm comfortable with, a rate that can make this business grow. Now I just need to increase the conversion rate and that's it. Or is it? There's one more thing that is really, really important, which is I need to make sure that the people in the community are happy and that we are creating value for them. And that means that we need to make sure that they engage with each other and that the community doesn't die. Because that's the only reason, or, okay, let me rephrase that. That's the main reason why people are there. People are there to meet other indie makers, to meet friends, to make relationships with other makers from all over the world. That's the main reason why they are there. They, they don't want to feel so lonely. So how can we make that happen? Well... I told you that in, in November we had an event. And events are something that I've seen early, since early on that they really work because you get people face to face interacting with each other and they are not the username anymore, a username and a photo. They are a real person. And we are humans. And when we see another face and we when we communicate freely, it's a completely, completely different experience than communicating through a chat. I mean, take the example of your neighbors. Why do you hate your neighbors, right? Because you never speak with them. <laughs> you always try to avoid them. Or is it only me? I don't know. I, 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 do you also like listen and, and you're about to leave your house and then you hear that your neighbor is also living and you say, oh, I will wait, I will wait and then I will live. <laughs> I don't know. At least that's something that I do. And... Uh, and then I get annoyed when they make noise because I don't know them, right? Anyways, I just want to say that the connection people make, it's really important. It, it's really different when they see each other. And then you can really, it's not noticeable afterwards. It's not noticeable after an event that the engagement of the community goes up. The engagement, for instance, in November and October was going down. And then we had the events.
And this event changed everything because for the next weeks, people were happy and communicating with each other and they understood the value of the community. This event was managed and organized by Ida. And she is a member of the community and she is as uh, her own business. And it's a business somehow connected with organizing these kind of events. She runs a business called Playground. And Playground is basically an accountability group. So people enroll for, I think it's uh, three, three months, and they set goals. And then in Playground, Ida matches people together and they are kind of accountability groups. And then they have meetings every week. And in these meetings, they have games, creative games, games crea- created by Ida to make sure that they interact with each other and then they help each other reach their goals. It's something that takes her a lot of time. And she took about a week to organize this event, the event that we did in the community. And it was a success. People really enjoyed it. People really interacted with each other. And I thought, wow, maybe we should work together. Because organizing such an event, it's a lot of work. There's so many variables around. You need to create the games and and know what you're going to talk about and the date and get people involved and... It's just for me, it's not enough. I cannot do it alone. That's why sometimes it's been months without any event because I'm not there to organize. And then I created that bot. If you remember the bot that helps me organize events, which was good, but it's not the same. It's not the same as having someone actually organizing it, a person touch. So I told Ida, why don't we work together? I mean, why don't you organize one of these events or two of these events because of the different time zones in the community. And of course, I will pay you for that. And this is a very important decision for me because the money I'm making from the community at the moment is around $400 MRR. That's it. And that's the money I use to pay my rent. (laughs) That's the money I need, right? So I'm doing other stuff, right? Freelancing the podcast. But these $400, they are important for me because they are consistent. They are something that I can rely on even in there, not a lot. So now giving 100 away, by the way, that's how, how much we agreed upon. So $100 per month gets me two events. So either we'll organize two events and do everything. And I know that she will do a great job because she already organized one event and we have been talking and... I think I, I am absolutely sure that I can trust her at least. So I'll give you an update on this, but I'm, I'm quite happy. And I think it's really important as well when you choose a, a partner or someone to hire, you need someone that you completely trust and you think it's going to be a good partnership, like with me and Joao. In this case, I knew him like since a long, long time. But I knew that, yeah, we are able to do something. And I, I feel the same with it, even though I, I don't know her for as long as I know Joao. So she's excited. I'm excited. And it's going to be $100. In my hopes are that these $100 will be an investment and not a cost. That by doing that, the people in the community will be super excited. They will speak more about the community. And this will attract other people, especially the ones that have the, the read-only access. They will look at it and be like, okay, I want to join because this sounds like fun. And I cannot join with the read access. Yeah, I I will, as always, keep you up to date with this. We'll start the first event in Jan. 
but I already announced it. People seem to be happy, and I'm also really happy, super excited. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if this is good or not. As a solopreneur, we tend to think that we need to do everything on our own. But I also notice that, especially with the freelancing and everything, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time, and it's it's frustrating me. It's frustrating me to see there are things that I need to do, but I need to do my freelancing instead because that's what's bringing me money. So like this, at least, I can uh, share a little bit the burden and have someone helping out. And uh, what I told her as well is that besides the, that, that money, I still think that's not enough because she'll be putting a lot of work into this and organizing two events and everything. She's also allowed to bring people from outside, which is also good for me, actually. Think about it, because maybe these people will also want to join the community. And she's also allowed, of course, to advertise her playground and in the events. So I really think it's a win-win situation, which is really important. I really want all my partnerships to be a win-win, because if I'm the the only one winning... Or, or the other person is the only one winning, then this is not a partnership. Someone will be upset and someone will not give their best. So, yeah, super excited about that. And I will I will keep you posted. And that's it. Uh, I think that's it. That's everything I want to talk with you. I'm really happy with the growth of the podcast in the last month. It's really good. So... I was having around, in this kind of freestyle episodes, 100 people, 80, 200 people, and now we are already reaching 130, 140 people. So thank you so much. It's it's amazing to have you here every damn week listening to me speak about my journey. It, it's like, it doesn't feel as alone as uh, if I was doing it by myself. Or even on Twitter, like Twitter seems a little bit more fake and with you, it's such, yeah, it's a different kind of relationship for sure. So thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, just share it around, share it with your friends, your indie making friends. And if you think they will like it, do you think if they will maybe pick an episode that you particularly like and share it with them? Just say, hey, I have this podcast that I listened to. This is an episode I liked. Listen to it. Just see if you like it or not. And uh, besides that... As a Christmas present for you, there'll be an interview released on Thursday. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been took me some time to edit this one, but it's really cool. With is with the founder of Taliform, Marie, and um, I'm pretty sure I'm that you will enjoy it. I've, it's almost done. It's almost uh, edited. So, yeah, it will be out for sure this Thursday. Super excited about that. Thursday or Friday, but probably Thursday. And uh, you can help me grow this podcast as well by becoming a member of the WB space, the community, or you can as well get your product featured, get your product featured. I think people so far are happy with the results, which is really cool. I'll do another episode about that. Yeah. Get your product featured here and I'll speak about it. And uh, it's a win-win situation again, which is a great partnership. That's it. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. Have, if you celebrate Christmas, have a Merry Christmas with your family and take the time to slow down, chill out and be with the ones you love. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time.